Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we are in episode 40 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today, I want to correct misinformation that I said in the episode on the South Platte River Compact with Nebraska. I also want to express my interpretation on anti-speculation and what that implies for prices of water. I had reported on an Associated Press article about the South Platte Compact that stated that, quote, the compact approved in 1923 is a water-sharing agreement between the states that entitles Nebraska to 120 cubic feet per second from the river during the irrigation season between April 1 and October 15, and 500 cubic feet per second during the non-irrigation season, end quote. Well, that's true, but I should have done a little more digging. I subsequently read the full compact, which is available online at the Colorado Division of Water Resources. Yep, it pretty much says what the Associated Press article reports, but as always, a little further explanation is in order. First, I reported that the 120 CFS would be an additional hit on the South Platte. No, that's not true because Colorado has been delivering the 120 CFS at the Nebraska state line since the compact was signed 99 years ago. So continued compliance with that part of the compact is not an additional hit on Colorado. The 500 CFS is a little more complicated. First, it only applies to water in the Platte below the west boundary of Washington County, Colorado. The South Platte from the Washington County border to where the Platte enters Nebraska is referred to as the lower section of the South Platte. And by the way, the Platte flows north into Nebraska where it exits Colorado. Since Nebraska seems mainly east of Colorado, I had erroneously thought the Platte was flowing east when it entered Nebraska. Anyway, the South Platte from Greeley to Washington County line is referred to as the upper section of the South Platte. The compact does not interfere with the waters of the Platte in the upper reaches or upper section of the South Platte, but it definitely impacts the lower section. The compact is only five pages long. Of course, it was written by attorneys. Attorneys try to define all possible situations that might arise. This means it is difficult to read and understand. But I think it says that if there are waters in the lower section after all rights prior to 1921 have been satisfied, then Nebraska has the right to build a canal in Colorado to divert 500 CFS of water. People in Nebraska clearly think that much water is available. There was a second Associated Press article on February 9, 2022, that says Nebraska is serious about taking this 500 CFS. 
it will clearly impact any rights in the lower section that are junior to 1921. Here are quotes from the recent AP article. Quote, Nebraska water regulators rallied Wednesday behind a proposal to build a $500 million canal in neighboring Colorado to divert water out of the South Platte River, a project steeped in fears that the fast-growing Denver area will consume most of the river's waters. Leaders from Nebraska's Irrigation and Natural Resources Districts cast the plan as a crucial step to preserve as much of the state's water supply as possible. Republican Governor Pete Rickards identified it as a top priority, arguing that not moving forward would eventually cost Nebraska billions as farms, cities, and other water users struggle with shortages. End quote. The article further went on to state that some Nebraska officials think this is the right time and Nebraska cannot wait any longer. I sense a lawsuit is forthcoming. I further sense that Colorado will have to give up 500 CFS of water from October 15 to April 1 to satisfy this part of the compact that has never been exercised before. This equates to about 167,000 acre-feet of water every year that Nebraska seemingly has the right to take. That's a big hit to Colorado. Stay tuned. We'll have to see what develops. One of the things that has already developed is a satire video on Nebraska taking Colorado water. It's stupid, but fun. Go to YouTube and then type in Nebraska Finds the Internet. It's only 30 seconds, but amazing to me that someone saw the articles that I have referenced and immediately put up this little satirical film clip. Check it out. I hope you get a laugh out of it. And now to my sense of what this anti-investment speculation can mean. I recently interviewed James Eklund, water attorney and former director of the Colorado Water Conservation Board, and Alex Davis, attorney with the city of Aurora in charge of water rights acquisitions and protection. We discussed the proposed bill in the legislature that will tighten anti-speculation laws. Although they were on opposite sides of the speculation issue, both professed to wanting to keep agriculture in production. Alex seems to be in favor of strengthening anti-speculation laws to prevent investors from acquiring ag water rights. She doesn't like the idea of inserting a middleman in the transaction of water rights from the farms to the cities. Her desire is to keep water right prices low so that both cities and farmers can buy water at prices that don't include the middleman markup. There's a problem with that thinking. 
water prices are already way out of reach for acquisition of water rights to be used in agriculture. A farmer cannot afford to buy water for use in ag. It's simply too expensive, way too expensive to use for growing crops. And cities compete with each other for water rights, so the competition for water is already there, and that competition will continue to drive prices up. Yes, adding speculators, or investors in water rights, into the equation might increase the competition and thus increase prices. But who knows how much? Prices are going up whether investors are buying farms with water rights or not. James has other ideas. He believes some investors that are buying ag to have access to the associated water rights will continue the use of water in agriculture. Well, yes, maybe for a period of time. James said that he does not want to represent investors that simply want to move the water off the farms to cities or industries at a quick profit. That's an admirable position, but investors are not interested in tying up their funds for an indefinite period of time. I can't believe that investors will wait for more than 10 years before trying to sell the water assets that they may have acquired. After all, that is their business. Investors buy water rights are farms that have attached water rights because they believe the water rights are a good bet. Their thinking can be twofold. One, water rights values will continue their dramatic rise even if the investor does nothing. Or two, they can aggregate water rights, put together a plan to move water to cities, and eventually sell both the water rights and their plans to a city at a tidy profit. Either way seems to me to be a safe investment. Because of supply and demand, water prices are going to continue to go up. As long as people continue to move to Colorado, demand in cities will increase. And remember that investors are taking a risk to buy water rights and hopefully develop a plan that will attract cities to buy their rights at a markup. This is a risk. Cities don't take risk. I continue to believe there is a rightful place for investors to buy water rights, put together a plan to move water, and promote that plan to cities for acquisition. We are in a water-short area of the country, and raising water-intensive crops, such as corn that grows like crazy in the Midwest, doesn't make sense to me. I keep asking myself why. It's a heck of a lot cheaper to import Iowa corn and beef than to import water from the Mississippi River. Please, I am not anti-farm. I just think that if a farmer can make a fortune by selling his water, he should think about it. He could probably buy twice that amount of acreage in the Midwest 
with the money he can get from his water if he wants to continue farming. We should not condemn by and dry. It has to come into play soon. In short, I do not support strengthening anti-speculation laws. If anything, I think they should be relaxed. That would create more opportunities for investors and maybe cities to develop plans in an open and straightforward process rather than having to sneak around anti-speculation issues. Just my thoughts. Take them for what they're worth. There is another option that can stretch city supplies, but it will be slow in coming. Las Vegas and Arizona have been paying property owners to rip up their lawns and put in xeriscape or rock gardens. That could be done here. Yep, that will free up some water to support continued growth. But that is a big cultural shift. People like to have lawns that their kids can run barefoot on and enjoy rolling around in the grass. I would have missed that as a kid. But this is definitely a way for cities to stretch their water supplies. Should we anticipate Las Vegas or Arizona types of water restrictions? Will that be implemented soon? The February 9, 2022 issue of the Colorado Sun reports that a bipartisan bill has been introduced that would create a $2 to $4 million annual pool from general revenue funds to pay homeowners, businesses, or any other landlords willing to replace thirsty bluegrass with an alternative type of landscaping. Colorado would pay $2 a square foot to rip out bluegrass. The thought is that turf buyout programs could start to solve some of the water shortages during long-term drought. The bill would expand grass buyout statewide and double local payments. John Berggren, a water analyst with the nonprofit Western Resource Advocates, is quoted to say, there's a growing recognition that we have to reduce the amount of irrigated turf we have and a growing recognition that while some turf is definitely beneficial, like parks, sports fields, parts of people's yards, we all know there's a lot of turf that doesn't get used. Okay, he's mainly talking about medians and roadways or other places that people really don't ever touch the grass. Maybe that's not such a bad idea. The bill sponsors say grass lawns are not getting outlawed. The bill will create a fund to make people's water bills less expensive. For those that want to help save water, this is a way to do it and get paid. What if the legislature paid $2 a foot to rip up corn in agriculture? Shoot, that's $87,000 an acre. That's a lot of money. I don't think farms are selling for that price yet. But the legislature and the people of this state seem to bend over backwards to protect farms when it might be better 
if some of the farms went out of production. Or when a farm goes bankrupt, Willie Nelson runs up and holds a concert to raise money for that farm. Because farming is a great way of life. Yeah, well, there are people out there that work in the coal mining industry, and coal mining is a way of life. But not one tear was shed when a coal mine in Paonia, Colorado, that lays off 300 people, is closed down. Think about that. Should we protect farms in such a manner that we don't protect ways of life in other industries? Farming is first and foremost a business and has to be treated as such. Food for thought and to let you know some of the things that our legislature is considering. If you want input, I think you should contact your representative. I have to be honest. I have never done that at the state level. I've written letters in support of various issues, and I've also worked closely with my county representatives and commissioners to get things done. It takes a lot of time, and you have to be interested and persistent. But I have been fortunate to get some changes made at the county level. Remember, this is our, yours and my, tax dollars, and the legislature is going to spend that tax income one way or the other. So I encourage you to make your voice heard. You just need to step up to the plate and let them hear your thoughts. And it might be a good idea to invite them to a mountain stream to remember how pleasant free-flowing water really is. With that thought in mind, I'll close and retreat to my favorite stream. See you next time.